with uh, David Marquez. And, you know, that's all NWA tie and, uh, you know, uh, NWA tie and uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood. But, uh, as, as Vanessa would say, let's put a pin in it because... Everyone, would you please welcome to the Putting You Over podcast, standing for drag, pro wrestling, and the pursuit of glamour, the Glamazon... Polio Del Mar. Salvation. Thank you. You're welcome. That was uh, done by. I guess. I guess we can call him our uh, announcer, Ryan. Ryan Ramon, our hype man. Our hype man. Yeah, the definite, definite hype man. Yeah, for sure. You can hear me. You can hear me fine and everything. I can. Can you hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. Would it be better if I was turned sideways? No, nope, you're fine. You're good just the okay. way you are. Just the way you are. I, the, that's the, what I've been told. The, the voice you hear is Vanessa. Uh, she is the voice inside my head, and I uh, wouldn't want to do the show without her. Um, thanks for giving us your time tonight. And uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. It was, it was funny how this came about, too, because I was watching um, WrestleMania weekend, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Yeah. You were there. No better host. I certainly was. No not better host. like this, but I was there. Well, I mean, partially like this, but not. But I was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, um, and yeah, we have we have pictures of uh, you know, Polo Del Mar. You know, oh, whoops, wrong button. This button right wrong, there. Wrong pronunciation. I'm gonna have to. Yes. Don't make me. Can it's can a you? Poyo. 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 Vanessa oh. told you. Was it? Elbow drop you. That's okay. Um. I will sell it. Don't worry. I will sell it. You'll sell the elbow drop. I will sell that elbow drop all day. Uh, well, oh, I, I was going to say, I, I thought you were a stay at home mom. I didn't know you were out there selling it, but, um, <laughs> you know, you know, you most do. of the time I just try to give it away, give it away for free. <laughs> Hello. It's COVID. That's a good point. It's a good point. How are you, how are you handling all the COVID? Well, um, I was really grateful. You know, we talked about Big Gay Brunch briefly and Big Gay Brunch was the first time I would say in almost a year that I felt like life was almost normal because I was staying in what we called Russell House and there was a group of wrestlers or wrestling personalities all in one home. We'd all been vaccinated. We were all, you know, um, we were all cool with what was going on. And it was a scenario where I finally felt like I was being able to be social around people, you know, and be back around people. And it was amazing. And then of course the show itself. And, but um, I've been handling it pretty well. And most of my career has been spent in public, you know, doing uh, live events, drag shows, wrestling shows, whatever it might be. And to be stuck at home for this past year has been a real, a real change. It's been very altering. We'll say. Yeah. Um, I don't normally go to the chat for questions this soon, but I know this, you know, this person, I believe, uh, Ryan, uh, Bruce Levy from out in the ring. Yeah, of course I know Ryan Levy, Ryan Levy. He says, uh, ask her about the donkey. Yeah. So he texted me. So Ryan Levy is the producer of an upcoming, um, documentary film that's going to be coming out. Hopefully fingers crossed everyone this year. It was supposed to come out last year and because of COVID it just could not. Um, it's called out in the ring and it's actually a documentary film that traces the history and influence of LGBTQ people in the world of professional wrestling. And I was very surprised a number of years ago when he contacted me very, very early on in my 
uh, kind of tenure as a personality in the world of wrestling to be part of that documentary. And he told me he was he was going to uh, tell everybody that I did a donkey show uh, and with with members of the San Francisco 49ers. It was a, a group of guys from the 49ers and a donkey, apparently, in, in this fantasy that he came up with. And I told him that, to be honest, nobody was going to be surprised about the donkey because uh, we all know that I'm a little bit into ass play. But the fact was that people would be surprised about the, the football players because I really don't like sports. <laughs> um, and I, I think... Uh, he he told me he told me a couple things because we've had him on the show talking about mm-hmm. uh, the documentary, and so I gave him a heads up that you're going to be on. Uh, he he let me know that you were the 53rd, uh, you're the reigning, I think, yeah, reigning 53rd Empress of San Francisco, which according to him makes you drag royalty. So I had I was drag royalty before that. Yes, but yeah. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, um, your piece in the Huffington Post, uh. Um, uh, eternalized homophobia kept you from doing what you fell in love with. Yeah. That's the name of it. So go ahead. So there, there are two elements to that. First of all, I'm no longer the reigning uh, Empress of San Francisco. We're all the way up to number 56 now. Oh. Um, when Rye first met me, I was the reigning Empress of San Francisco. And for those who are watching, who may not be familiar with that, the Imperial Court Council of San Francisco is a 56 year old nonprofit organization. And it's, uh, the second oldest existing LGBTQ nonprofit organization in the world. And he, it started here in San Francisco and has spread globally. And worldwide, we raise hundreds of thousands of dollars every year for different charitable organizations. Um, in 2018, 2019, when I was the reigning empress, our, our group raised over $136,000 for local charities. So I was very proud of that work. And But I was, I was drag royalty. I, in my mind, at least, well before then. Way before that. And and the, the other part of it is, for seven years, I contributed to the, Huff, to the Huffington Post, and um, I was a celebrity interviewer. I would interview people like Kelly Clarkson or Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, things like that, under the persona of Pollo Del Mar. And then somewhere along the line, you know, my love for professional wrestling sort of reared its head again. It, it had never been pushed aside, but I'd never really contemplated the idea of combining that persona or personality with professional wrestling as a journalist. And I usually wrote under my, that, that name, the stage name. And so um, after a little bit of time of thinking about it, I just started with what what the hell, why not? So I started interviewing professional wrestlers and um, many of those, I was the only at the time, the only and possibly still the only person for a number of years who covered professional wrestling on Huffington post for their sports column. And um, that's actually how it led me into the world of professional wrestling, because one of the people I contacted to, to set up an interview with was a local promoter named uh, Butch Hoff here in San Francisco. And and he invited me to be part of his small wrestling organization. But from that stemmed this uh, very personal essay that I wrote for Huffington Post. And it's probably the single most most widely read article I've ever done yeah. and probably the most personal interview that or article that I've done in that capacity where I talked about how as a child I was in love with wrestling but as I grew to understand myself as a, a, a gay man it felt for example that I just wasn't welcome in that environment so that that dream got put on hold for a really long time and I it speaks to something that I strongly believe in that that's that um you know, the only thing standing between us and our dreams is whatever bullshit story we tell ourselves in our head over and over to perpetuate that. 
And at some point in time, you have to be adult enough to challenge those thoughts and say like, well, who says that that's not possible? Who says it's impossible for a gay man to pursue a love of professional wrestling? Who says, you know, that um, who I am doesn't allow me to do anything. And the, the predominantly the only person that, that says that to me is me. Right. So I, I wrote that article and published it and it really began this huge domino effect because tons of people I would never thought would take notice of that um, message me, you know, like getting messages um, from mutual friends to say like, you know, Billy Corgan read this article and was really moved by it or um, getting called by the producer for Austin Idol's podcast and being invited on as a guest because I mentioned how uh, Austin Idol had made me fall in love with wrestling. So that it, it was really instrumental in my career. One of my dogs has gone out a window and is now trapped outside and is barking. <laughs> go get the dog. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go let him in. I'm yeah, go ahead. The utmost of professionalism. That's all right. That's awesome. And I read that, Vanessa, I read that article and it was very, it was very personal. It was very, uh, um, I could feel the, the pa- passion. Like I, I just, it was interesting. It was a really good read. The the interesting thing is how the about when you write things is you write them and you don't. I didn't think about who might read that, right. and I actually a number of years ago I was a columnist for a local newspaper here in San Francisco, and uh, one of the columns I wrote was headlined like "I may not have written this for you," and what I meant by that is that when I write things, I don't think about who will read them because if I you start to overthink who might see this and what messages are going to send or whatever the authenticity gets ripped away because you start to do that natural human thing, which is to try to save face, to try to look good to whatever. And sometimes uh, raw emotion is what people are able to connect with. Right. And so with that particular article, I wrote it. And then in the moment it had this flood of outcomes. And then recently it got shared again. And, um, one of the things it mentioned in it is that as a, a young kid, uh, there was a point in time when I was, I remember I was in fifth grade. My family was extremely, extremely poor. And at that year, we weren't always poor, but that year we were specifically very poor. My dad had lost his job. And, and um, one of the only things that he was able to afford to get me for Christmas that year was um, a copy of pro wrestling illustrated. Yeah. And I read that I read that magazine cover to cover I couldn't tell you. I'm, I would guess hundreds of times. And I'm talking down to the fact that in the back of those old issues of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, I don't know about the current ones, but there would be um, like very small font yeah. encapsulating what was in the previous issues. Like Hulk Hogan talks about his WWE title, Ric Flair, you know, whatever. And I would even read those. I had those memorized. And, um, and I talked about how as a kid, I would write these articles and send them off to like Pro Wrestling Illustrated and all these places. And Pro Wrestling Illustrated saw that, started following me on Twitter and and messaged, direct messaged me. So um, I, I don't, it hasn't come to pass yet, but there's a strong possibility that in the future, I could actually get to live the dream of contributing to Pro Wrestling Illustrated too. So wow. mine continually blown. That is insane. F- five. So you you fell in love with wrestling at a very young age, like a lot of us. What, mm-hmm. what, I was eight. You were eight. What was it? What what do you remember specifically? Like maybe the the moment or the aha moment or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I really in that actual article um, on Huffington Post, I talk about that yeah. because you know, for me, my family, um, 
was very aware, we'll say that I was very different right. early on. I mean, the Wonder Woman shirt yeah. um, is a real reflection of what was going on at the time because when I was the, I would say the year before I fell in love with wrestling, the only thing that I asked for for Christmas was a Wonder Woman doll. And my dad was not thrilled, uh, number one. And then number two, that particular toy was like the hottest item at that year's Christmas. So yeah. it was sold out <laughs> and they had to travel the entire state. Everybody in the family, I didn't know this at the time, but everybody in the family was looking for this damn doll, um, which ultimately I did get. But so they were very aware that things were different with me. And they would try all of these things. I had karate lessons, Boy Scouts. Um, we tried Little League. I mean, you name it, they tried right. it. And I was just like, nah, I'm not into this. So I think for my family, it was like this last grasp at heterosexuality. Yeah. And they, um, my grandfather and I sat down to watch wrestling on an old black and white TV. Um, and it was a very local production based out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And the very first thing I saw on that show was Austin Idol taking on Jerry the King Lawler. And it, the moment I saw Austin Idol, uh, I was taken with wrestling. He was the ultimate showman he was yeah. also very handsome very attractive but like very colorful all of these things and i grasped onto that you know i could identify with that and and that's what made me fall in love with it and i i just became obsessed with it from that moment on awesome yeah there's a lot of uh uh when you when you're in when you're in drag i see a lot of flair uh rick flair i see a lot of flair showmanship a lot of austin idol um uh, Adrian Adonis is what popped into my head when I, when I first saw you in, in hosting at Effie's Big Gay uh, Brunch. Um, so yeah, so definitely. I, go ahead. I wish you had a better depth of of recognition for LGBTQ influenced characters because Adrian Adonis, um, I really I really loved him. Right. And I actually had the action the Adrian Adonis action figure. Yeah. Um, like one of those those toys, but my obs- like. Uh, even though I never got to see him live and in person or um, anywhere other than pro wrestling illustrated magazine and the sister magazines, I was obsessed with exotic Adrian street. And I remember he, he used to Adrian street for the viewers was the precursor to um, Adrian Adonis. And he was this sort of, he portrayed this very flamboyant yet leather centric type of, um, pseudo effeminate uh but definite badass type of a performer and he was accompanied to the ring by his real life wife miss linda and he's he's actually from he's from he's welsh so um from the uk and wwe really wanted that character but he wouldn't go work for them so he um they created their own which was adrian adonis but the i think that that element of flamboyance i and then i became obsessed by the way with gold dust yeah you know um that was the next thing that i became obsessed with as a young person but i i think that that line of showmanship and, and particularly like costuming i i was talking to a costuming friend of mine i have an upcoming uh pro wrestling event this summer and i was like i need a new costume and my friend was laughing. He was like, well, you know, it's a fine line between drag costumes and wrestling costumes, especially if you're w- women wrestlers, you know, the wrestling women wear yeah. stuff that drag queens would wear every day. And, um, and the, like the kind of robes and things like that are very common to what we would wear as well. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of showmanship, but I appreciate it, it bringing something good to mind. Hopefully it was good to you. Like the reason I say, I wish I had a greater depth is because WWE in so many ways, 
used that um, that persona to destroy Adrian Adonis's career. That's the only reason I. Yes. You know, I. And and I do. I remember um, him in the leather jacket. I do remember that. So, but WWE has done that to a, a plethora of talent. Just took them from another promotion and just watered them right right down to to about nothing. Um, well, Adrian Adonis prior to becoming adorable Adrian Adonis yeah. was half of the WWE world tag team champions with Dick Murdoch and, and the, the East West connection. And they were like these two or the North South connection. And they had this badass um, type of persona, you know, that they were working with and they, and Adrian Adonis was considered a badass. And then he started gaining a lot of weight and it made, um, it made him very unpopular with Vince McMahon. Yeah. And so, you know, he rolled it over into this sort of like obese, uh, gay, flamboyant character, which to, to Adrian's credit, he went with and did very well. Yeah. And I still loved him in you know, in that capacity. But he he had been something significantly different before. Uh, speaking about Goldust, you said you loved Goldust. Do you, do you think we will ever see a character like a Goldust again in the WWE? I, I, I know we're, we're going to see in other promotions. Oh, we almost do already. But as far as the WWE goes, do you think we'll get another gold dust? When you say another gold dust, I want to know what that means to you. To me, uh, it it means someone. Um, let me see. How do I want to phrase this? Somebody uh, in touch with their sexuality to a point that other people th- th- they're trying to make other people feel uncomfortable. I guess is mm-hmm. the right thing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I would say my strong guess is that we will never see a character portrayed in that capacity yeah. again. And the reason I think that is because, um, what WWE was doing with Goldust at the time, and it was very effective, and Dustin Rhodes was so effective yeah. in that role. But he, um, they used his sexuality or perceived sexuality as a predatory factor to make okay. him um, make other people uncomfortable. And it was yep. because it wasn't necessarily because he was flamboyant or, or even gay. It was because of the fact that he was predatory. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it, doesn't. it was, it was, it was, I mean, yes, there was the element of mind games and, and that kind of trickery where he would do things, but it was in a, a way that was rather predatory and in a way that um, I think if I were watching it in retrospect would probably make me feel uncomfortable because, you know, I don't like to, I don't want to think of, um, I I don't want to think of myself as being somebody who does not acknowledge or respect other people's boundaries. And that's what it comes down to. I can give you an example, like in real life too. So like my nephew, my nephew, uh, 19 years old, just turned 20, uh, has lived his whole life knowing me, knowing my drag and, um, loves me, loves my drag so open-minded you know like he he was the jock a popular jock in in high school but he's super open-minded and he started working at a new place um and this the first in a new town and the first friend he made was this gay kid and um and the the fact was that to my nephew like it was just another you know that he was just their friends they would have a good time didn't matter that he was gay and then um the kid started to get emotional attachment to my nephew and it became a situation where the kid kept pushing and pushing and, and it just like, it wasn't respecting the fact that, well, we can be wonderful friends, but 
right. the sexuality element of it is a disconnect because I'm not, I'm heterosexual. My nephew's heterosexual. Yeah. You're not. It's okay. We can come together in this common place and share common loves like video games and music videos or whatever it is we're hanging out, watching and doing. But the, that other part is just off limits. And I think that that idea that they were pushing that all gay people perhaps are predatory is something that really homophobic have like homophobic people have in the back of their mind. Yeah. You know, like, you know, and sadly, I will tell you, I, I mean, at least gold dust when he was doing that had pretty good sexual tastes, I guess, if he was going to be predatory, you know, Razor <laughs> Ramon, very hot. But most of the people I experience who think that like the gay people around them are really going to be drawn to them and won't be able to keep their hands off of them. I, you know, I'm like, sweetheart, <laughs> nobody wants to touch you. <laughs> no one is like <laughs> clamoring to get your goodies, least of all me. So, I mean, that in that regard, I don't think we will see that gold dust character because I think that um, it's, it would be the same way that we would probably never see, um, you know, a Samoan character portrayed as like the wild savage from the, the wilderness, or we would never see got any of the African-American wrestlers that um, were treated so poorly in the eighties specifically and into the nineties. And sometimes I'll be honest, still to this day, some of the the stuff that someone else is writing for African-American people makes me scratch my head. Uh, and I do agree because I think I think we are making strides. Um, yeah, and 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 continue to make strides. And that's something that I took away from Effie's big gay brunch. You're trailblazing. Effie is as well. Uh, Ali had different. Uh, I heard you say it in in a podcast I listened to today. Uh, you know, just different uh, well, sectors, maybe. I guess I don't. Uh, that might not be the right word. But but you're trailblazing a path for the LGBTQ community um, to, to maybe children, a, a young an eight year old now might be more willing to, I guess uh, come out. You're making it, you're trailblazing. You're making it easier, I guess is what I'm trying it's, to say. You know, it, it's certainly not me. It's, I think that it's, well, you're I, one of them. I, yeah. I, I think that, you know, I, I'm a drop in the bucket. There are people who are so much more visible, but, what I would say is my hope, my hope is that um, things like Effie's Big Gay Brunch or things that are not quite is that extreme. The fact that, you know, um, Sunny Kiss is on AEW Dynamite and Nyla Rose is on AEW Dynamite and is a women's champion. And, um, you know, people like Fred Rosser are very open in their, his sexuality and, and just so many different people that my hope would be that if an eight-year-old kid sat down in this day and age and watched wrestling and fell in love with it the way I did, that hopefully there would be um, a greater opportunity for them to think this is something I could pursue if I chose to. There's nothing that's stopping me from this. You know, my sexuality is the least of my concerns. My physical, my physical ability is going to be far, far outweigh my sexuality, you know, whether or not I'm a success at this. Right. Um, that's what they say like with pat patterson they're like everyone knew nobody cared but the thing is like you know everyone the knew, boys sorry cared. like the folks in the locker room like the aboves cared but the people in the locker room yes i mean i and the the thing with that though vanessa is that like um there's a difference between like um tolerance and acceptance and acceptance 
and celebration. So what I mean by that is that there's a lot of people in my day-to-day life who probably tolerate me and, and many, many who accept me because they, they don't have a choice because this is who I am. But what really comes to make the distinction is when an individual gets celebrated for being different and unique and being authentically themselves. So Pat Patterson didn't have that until much later in his career. Even if people knew, it was certainly never, ever presented that way. And I remember the big, I I mentioned um, in my actual article on the HuffPost that the first time I ever heard of somebody who was gay in pro wrestling, it was Pat Patterson. And it was a scandal that was written up in, of all places, Playboy magazine. So here I am, a young gay kid skimming through Playboy magazine for all the wrong reasons, right? But, um, you know, like today, I think things like Effie's Big Gay Brunch celebrate who we are. Paris is Bumping, which is coming up on July 10th, celebrates who we are. Uh, The the Polyam Cult Party um, 3, which just went down, celebrates who we are. And, you know, all of these are small things, but then you see bigger things where people are presented exactly as they are. You know, the fact that Jim Ross interchangeably refers to Sonny Kiss as he or she because he's gender fluid or gender non-binary, that is tremendous. The first time he did that, it blew my mind. And I was like, did he just like, you know, because referencing a guy as she is usually a slur. And I was like, did he just slur, give, you know, slide in a slur? And then Sonny was like, no, that's, you know, everyone knows that everybody's comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it. And if Sonny's good with it, I'm good with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The internet blew up on that one. And then he said, everyone straight very yeah. quick. So to speak. Yes. yes. <laughs> it, Pun not intended. <laughs> it, it was, uh, because my, my wife said to me, um, she goes, make sure you ask at the start, what pronouns to use. And I said, no, I, I yeah. heard it. I said, I heard it. I know what to do. When he's in drag, he's a she. Exactly. And and makes sense. And and you're a he when not. Nah, and I have that correct? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Because okay. and yes. and since for people since we're sort of like talking about this, yeah. this is like a learning I this want is a to learning learn. educational yes. opportunity. Yes. Not just for you, but I just went through this in my own working environment as a member of the LGBTQ community. I just met somebody new visually i that person to me visually presented as very like i was getting female energy i was getting all these Mm -hmm. things but he is he and i went to another like coworker, and i was like please let me know the proper because i didn't want to ask and normally i would but i didn't know the person very well and it was a professional environment so i'd rather let somebody do that but yeah so like the what i tell people all the time um drag is what i do right uh, it's not who I am. Gender is who I am. It's like, it's who, what I identify as. And then drag is what I do. So what that means is that a woman can do drag because like female is how, how she identifies, but drag is what she does. She can, you know, change, transform like I do just the same. Um, and uh, even a transgender person can do drag because trans is an identity or is a gender identity. And then drag is what we do. So yes, I, the person that's sitting in front of you, um, talking to you, I'm male. I go to work as male. I live as male. I identify as male. Um, I play a character, you know, like right. I, I remember doing an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, when, when I was sort of first kind of 
kind of bursting onto the scene here locally. And they asked me what the reception has been in the world of professional wrestling. And I told that reporter, uh, whose name is Beth Spotswood, she, I love her, she's an amazing person. She, I said, well, in the world of professional wrestling, we come to willingly suspend our disbelief about a lot of things. You know, the, the single most popular character on any of the shows I was doing early on was a guy named Rock Lobster. And if the audience will believe that he's a lobster, they can easily <laughs> believe I'm a woman. You yeah. know, like, I don't, I think that being a lobster is a little more absurd, yes. um, you know, than being out there presenting as my character as a woman. And we never treated my character, even necessarily as a drag queen. When I'm integral in the stories here locally, Poyo is just a, a woman, yeah. you know, and uh, very glamorous, very gorgeous, devious, whatever I am, but just a woman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that, that's for, with wrestling for charity? Yeah. I, I did all my early work was for wrestling for charity. Yeah. Um, I did a couple shows for other local regional promotions, but wrestling for charity was just amazing because Butch and the team there, we're just so open to ideas and creativity and we were doing it for a great cause. That was the other thing, you know, like this wasn't a scenario where we had to worry about um, something bigger, like a bigger picture. We just wanted to raise money, have a good time. And the fact was that very quickly I was putting a lot of asses in the seat. Like, you know, wow. I, I was, I was telling anybody who would listen about my wrestling experiences and to come and see me because it was my dream and my passion and these other people have been doing it a lot longer. So it's just like anything when you're brand new to the scene and you know, like you're like, you're telling everybody, you're never going to believe what I get to do. <laughs> um, I, I also learned that uh, you're friends with Zicky Dice. Um, and, and Zicky at a wrestling for charity show. Yeah. And, um, and Zicky's doing great things. I don't, I don't know why he's not signed somewhere. Uh, you gave Zicky an Effie a makeover was that on his that was on his channel both of their channels both of they, them. they were doing a streaming um competition on on twitch to expand their yeah. uh, subscribers yeah and so they wanted to present something really special and we had talked to zicky and i so zicky was from here in san francisco uh, yeah. the northern california area where i'm at right now and we met on a wrestling ch for charity show he became the nwa world champ or uh, television champion moved to atlanta um and we had already planned before his move, like to do this drag makeover thing. And so then he went there and Effie was there. So Effie and I had connected a few years ago when I interviewed him and they were like, come up, we want to be put in drag. So it was a blast. And of course the, it was a competition. So whoever got to their goal of subscribers during the course of that broadcast first won, and then the, the loser in that, in that instance, the loser had to, um eat a like a cherry pie that had condoms in it without using their hands <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> it well, they like... keep it classy i love my boys Those, and now they're my drag daughters I have, I have three um drag daughters who are in the world of professional wrestling effie zicky and aj kirsch from tough enough and um and in all kinds of other places. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was in Tough Hood Enough. Slam. Yeah. Hood Slam and MLW and all in, these places. Yeah, MLW, that's right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, man, that's right. I forgot he was in MLW. Um, uh, speaking of Twitch, uh, you have you just started a channel, I believe. I, I did. I just started it. And, you know, there, there's so many things. I applaud people. I, I became inspired, actually, to get onto Twitch by doing that thing with Effie and Zicky because yeah. 
they have developed um, this rabid fan base yeah. on Twitch and they do crazy absurd things. And these people just join in and they're like, the fans are so into it, you know, yeah. and Effie and Siki are both amazing in terms of the way they interact and connect with their audiences. And that's one of the things that I will say that I've always felt strongly besides the showmanship element. One of the things that connect the worlds of wrestling and drag are the idea that ultimately what we're doing when we step out there is trying to develop that emotional connection of some kind with an audience and, and of course put on a show and entertain, but you know, they have done this amazingly good job of yeah. connecting to these audiences that are rabid fan bases. So after doing that, I was like, I want a fan base like that. <laughs> I want, I like, I want people to like, you know, watch me like eat a condom out of a cherry pie, <laughs> you know, Without so your hands. I too. just joined. Yes. I just joined. Um yeah, and that link we got the link in the chat here. Uh it's it's up underneath uh your little web web player there. I saw you, you were doing some watch alongs. But the coolest thing, um, and I I wanna uh I wanna show it to my daughters because I've I have three and they're all into makeup and they don't yeah. know any plus they're they're I don't know. <laughs> they're uh they don't they're uh twelve, eight and well four. Uh, but they they try to do makeup all the time, and I was talking to Vanessa, and Vanessa needs wants makeup tips, so that's why we're tuning in. For well, sure. you know, I I I want to. I'm still trying to figure this out. Like the crazy thing about if you want to like do Twitch on a regular basis, yes. you you have to have something different every day. Yep. I I will tell you, Effie and Zicky are so like they're my inspirations in so many ways because Zicky, first of all, I went to his house. P.S. He lives like he's the world television champion, even though he's not, because <laughs> his place is enormous. It's like a mansion. And then he has this huge garage, which he's converted into a literal broadcasting studio at all times. Yeah. And um, and he's very organized. He has like a whiteboard with like every day sketched out. Like this is what we're doing this day. This is the time. I was blown away. There's so much thought into it. But uh, you know, I want to, and I'm sometimes I'm afraid it's I'm too diverse because like if somebody, for example, went to my YouTube channel, right. I don't, it would take a very special person to be like, I want to follow this channel because I've got all kinds of shit up there. You know, I'm like yeah. reviewing music and then I've got pro wrestling stuff mixed in and I've got drag performances, all this yeah. stuff. But, um, with Twitch, like I definitely want to set a, a regular thing where people can watch me do my makeup. Yeah. Um, and those days I would imagine like I'll, I, I am interactive. I was having some technical issues like with sound and whatever recently, and I'm trying to still get it smoothed out, but you know, I want to do makeup transformations. I want to um, do watch alongs with pro wrestling. I want to, I just want it to be pretty eclectic. Um, I even thought about setting it as and people used to love watching me do my makeup as like an ASMR type of thing where they're like sort of just watching it and zoning in and out. Um, I would barely speak. There were times when I'd barely speak and I would just have like a water fixture playing like a fountain. People, one person was like, I thought the toilet was running. I was like, you're a bitch, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, like it can be really soothing because for me doing makeup is like a meditation time anyway, but um, I'm still trying to figure out all the things I want to do on there and how to do it yeah. and the technicalities, but it'll iron itself out as the, as a following begins to grow. I started with like obviously zero followers yeah. and then i had four and i was celebrating four followers for like a good two days now i'm up to like a whopping 24 i think so um i'm guessing that 
once you just get rolling and sort of figure it out, the people, the people do come, you yeah. know, people just stumble on you or whatever. Yeah. So hopefully fingers crossed. Um, I don't know if you have TikTok, but that's been doing a good job at bringing people from there to a Twitch. Um, I think your makeup stuff might work over there too. Uh, I literally started TikTok the day before I started Twitch. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I need to find out what this TikTok thing is. All the kids are doing. All the kids are doing. Well, I I tell you right now, it's more non-kids, more older people doing it. Well, I'll speak. It was like when Facebook first came out. Or taking the kids, and then like everyone's mom joined. (laughs) And now Facebook is the like the place where young people literally think about their parents being. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to be there. My mom's there. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Well, I was going to say, um, the LGBTQ wrestling community is, mm-hmm. I've, I've come to learn, uh, it's vast. There's a, there's, it's big and, it is. and I mean, you guys, uh, I, I don't even want to say it like that. You guys, but Effie's big gay brunch at WrestleMania weekend, but can we see, I, I want to see more shows like that. I want to see a promotion an LGBTQ promotion, really. We all want to see that promotion, I think. And um, I know in the UK, they are starting a promotion or they were just starting a promotion like that or similar to that um, right before COVID. I think that we, you know, I, I don't know about how routinely or regularly these things are. We have to remember that we as fans and audience yeah. members, and even myself as a pro- occasional participant i've done i participated one time y'all i'm not like uh, being there every one time um but you know there's a financial element that goes into that and so for those things to begin to move forward audiences need to to show up yeah and i i think that we would all love to see that kind of a promotion um where people are allowed to be themselves you know and i one of the things I think that would really benefit that and that we've gotten to see on shows like um, Polyam Cult Party and Big Gay Brunch, and we will see at Paris is Bumping on July 10th, is that, and Fearless, which is coming um, this summer to Las Vegas as well, promoted by the Dark Sheik from who promotes Hood Slam here in the Bay Area. Like one of the things that we are getting to see and I think that people are beginning to understand is that whatever comes to mind when they think of a gay wrestler or an LGBTQ wrestler probably is far, far, far too narrow. You know, we saw all of those people on that great show, big gay brunch in Tampa and the spectrum of personalities, types of physical builds, you know, personalities was so broad. The kind of matches that people want to put on is very broad too. You know, you go from something like, um, can't a little campy like the you know the twink tag team gauntlet with with Pero to something like that match between AJ Gray and Billy Dixon where they were literally busting light bulbs over each other's head and Insane. digging digging fluorescent bulb shards into somebody's forehead and making them bleed. I was cringing. I, you know, I would never do that, but I know that there is an audience for that, and there are people within our community, our LGBTQ community, who want to do that stuff, and um, it shows that you could presumably put together an organization entirely made of LGBTQ um, people or, you know, people who are adjacent to our community because our community expands every day with a new acronym, but 
you could put together that promotion and you would have a full breadth of different personality types. And I think that what that does is squash the idea that there's only one kind of wrestler who's LGBTQ. And thusly, that means that only one spot for that person to fit into. And now we know that's not true. Yeah. Awesome. I want to see that. Uh, Ryan says in the chat that uh, Pride Championship Wrestling in Texas is one, and then Pride in the UK starts in June. So there yep. you go. Awesome. Pride in UK and Pride, Pride Texas um, has been around a little bit longer than Pride UK, and I'm not sure that they are connected, but the Pride UK one I knew was coming. They were really heavily promoting sort of a big launch for that, and then COVID hit. Yeah. So my hope is that when things begin to open back up, we have a lot of opportunities and you know on twitter i did mention that one of the things i wanted to to talk about on here and to you and to to anybody who's watching or listening is um really ties to that idea that you said about like the lgbtq community within the world of professional wrestling is so vast and when I started down this crazy journey, it was, I fell into it, you know, at a very late age, yeah. it, it fell into my lap and it returned to me and it reignited this passion and, and dream that I had. And for me, that dream was really this idea of getting to live that fantasy of, of being in the world of professional wrestling and not feeling, and just getting to live something that I thought was not possible for me. Really. That's what it became, was initially about. And then as I, the longer I've been part of this world and it's still very peripheral for me, you know, I'm still on the outside and, and I want to move closer to other dreams and goals that I have and move in, in towards the inner circle. But what I did not anticipate and which has been so emotionally overwhelming to me in a lot of ways is that these shows present not just the opportunity for me to to do something that I loved and dreamed about, but it is surrounding and filling my life with these incredible people who share that passion. Yeah. You know, we share this love for professional wrestling and that whether that's fans who, um, who support what we do, we as entertainers do, or it's the other performers, you know, that, that show, the big eight brunch show introduced me to literally dozens of performers from all over the country. We're all spread out everywhere across the country. You know, we're scattered to the corners and we all do something similar. And I am a fan of those people. You know, I am a fan. I like, I'm an unabashed pro wrestling fan. Yeah. That's why I don't have an allegiance to an organization. That's why I don't have an allegiance to a promotion. Um, I love this industry. I love the world of professional wrestling as an entertainment and as a sport. And when I've identified over the years leading up to now other wrestlers who are out and being honest about who they are and living their truth and overcoming those same hurdles and obstacles that I was too scared to do for a really long time. When I see those people, I'm there. I'm a big fan. I'm a cheerleader for them. I want them to succeed. And something like big a brunch brought all those people into my lap and introduced me to them. And now I have connections, personal connections and in the beginnings of friendships with people all over the country. And I didn't expect that, you know, I didn't think that that was a thing. And, um, and, you know, I like being in wrestle house that what I call, I jokingly refer to wrestle house, (laughs) the seven of us in that place, you know, like I walked in there the first day and 
um, it's a little bit like walking into the dressing room at RuPaul's Drag Race. Like you're waiting to see who pops out to, you know, the competition <laughs> or um, it's a little bit like any reality show where you're like trying to, you're sizing the bitches up like, Oh, like, you know, I'm going to see whatever. And I was a little concerned because when I arrived um, a group of uh, four walk around the corner, they're they're They've arrived together. Right. They're like a click. And I was like, oh. fuck, this is not going to be good. Because I don't know, I barely know Effie, right. like on a personal level, um, you know, and here's this group of guys who are presumably all really close and they were, and how am I, where am I going to fit into this picture? And I'm going to tell you, Jared Evans, Ashton Starr, AC Mack and Owen Knight, that was the group I was talking about. And they were so damn nice from the minute I arrived. And they put me at ease. And then, thank you, God, I turn around and the bedroom door behind me opens and the dark chic walks out. Yeah. And she's the lo- my local girl. We Like, I helped interview her for, I helped do the interview for her for the Out in the Ring um, documentary. She and I saw each other and I think we were both thinking the same thing. We are <laughs> fucked. We do not know shit about anybody else here. We ran to each other like we were sisters and clutched each other and I spent the weekend with her and then Envy Young and Effie were the last two in our house. But um, after that weekend, I just felt really like I loved those people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was such a shared bond because we knew that we were all there coming from wherever we come from and quite often being the only gay one or one of a handful of gay ones on our yeah. show. And we were drawn together with this mutual love and passion. And it was just beautiful. Like I'm literally getting tears in my eyes thinking about it because they were um, they were just amazing. And I, lo- I left there particularly loving Dark Sheik. I lo- I, I've always loved her. Yeah. Um, I love what she does with Hood Slam, which is the most creative pro wrestling you will ever see. I love the vision that she has. I love her tenacity for living her authentic truth. And not only just, you know, being a trans woman, but being Iranian, you know, like there's yeah. not that yeah. many, you know, she yeah. was forced into this gimmick of being like this, evil chic because they didn't know nobody knew what else to do with a an iranian so and now the you know if you need a trans iranian woman who can kick some serious ass and steal a show dark sheik's your girl booker dark sheik book the dark sheik we'll get those t-shirts exactly um so what's on the horizon you talked about this july 10th show what else you got going down so I'm actually not doing July 10th. Um, Paris is bumping. I'm not doing that show. Okay. I'm not. I'm not on that show. But I w- definitely am going to talk it up because, yeah, yeah. like I already told you, I'm a mad cheerleader for these people. I want Billy Dixon and his posse up in the Northeast. I want Washington Heights and all those folks. I want them to succeed. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a really important to note. Like we're not competing with each other. No, right. none of us are competing with each other. We all bring something so special to the table that any promotion would be very lucky to have any one of us. Um, you know, I, I know that there's talk. I can't, I don't, I'm not sure that I can like really say it. Um, I, I have two shows that I'm going to be doing at the end of July um, as it, or at the end of June, rather the way it looks right now. And I, I don't know what the world holds for me. You know, think, I, I think that more is going to become re- more will be revealed as more is revealed about what COVID restrictions right. we're going to go through. Um, here in Northern California, things are loosening up a little bit. We're talking about um, maybe by mid-June, really knowing what the status of our reopening is going to look like and how that's going to play out. 
And if it does come to pass that we are reopened, I am going to, I will do any wrestling show that anybody wants to do. I will also do any drag show because I miss being in front of that audience. But um, there's a lot of podcast opportunities coming up. I'm actually supposed to, you know, I only believe these things when they actually happen. Once it's done, <laughs> then it's like, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Um, but I was approached by Nick Houseman at Wrestling Inc. website, and yep. uh, WrestlingInc.com to be a guest co-host on their podcast nice. next, like a, a week from this coming Thursday. So it's like a, a week from Thursday. Yeah. And you know, they're trying out new things. And I've worked with Nick before as a journalist, he, you know, he was my editor and, and they, they thought about me and they, of course they saw me on big gay brunch. And I think that they are checking that out. I'm really excited about that. And I don't know, I don't know what the future holds, but I made a, a vow to myself that, um, I am, this year is going to be a breakout year for me as a personality in the world of professional wrestling. And the reason I've made that vow is because uh, Big A Brunch showed me that I can leave the comfort and bubble of my hometown here in San Francisco, and I can be over. I can get over. Uh, I can create that emotional connection with an audience, and whether that is as a ring announcer or a personality who is part of stories and angles, or if that is simply as a timekeeper, I don't care. Mm. I'm like, I'm there. And that's, that's something I want to do. But uh, my ultimate dream this year is to really move into a very strong potential managerial capacity. I would love to represent um, some people and I don't know where or how that's going to be, but I'm legitimately sending out feelers to anyone I can think about. And I shamelessly tag people on, on social media. I don't give a damn. Yeah, that's so, right. Do it shamelessly. I will tell you. I think DDP taught Dave us that. Mark, if you're watching this, I have shamelessly tagged you in pretty much every single thing. I would <laughs> love to work with United Wrestling. So yeah. that's that's sort of my my dream. So you do the United Wrestling Network. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, I when I was watching Evie's Big A Brunch, I would not have known that was your first time doing that show. You were to me, you were already over, and I was waiting for you to knock someone out. I think- yeah, the, um, I I did exactly what Effie told me to do. You know, I was there. I I'm also the type who, um, because I love what we do. Yeah. If they'd asked me to show up early to set up the ring and stay late to sweep up those broken light bulbs, yeah. I would have been there. You know, in my sh- whole shtick, if I had to be. Um, that's that's who I am. I like I do try to to give my all to every situation. And um, I think that that's one of the things that's endeared me to people. Plus, even though it was my first time at Effie's Big Gay Brunch, it's not my first time walking, you know, whether it's a ring or a stage, it's not my first time being in front of crowds of people. And I've been in crowds in front of a crowd of people much, much larger, you know, than we had a gay brunch. The gay brunch was fun. It was sold out. It was a great time. But I've been in front of tens of thousands of people, literally. And, um, I might get nervous. I was nervous to, to do this podcast, but once I'm, once the lights hit, she she's on. She's on. One, I was, yeah. I once was, the lashes go on, she's she's especially on. You know. Yeah, yeah. And you you had asked you had asked me and Vanessa, uh, you know, do did we want you in in drag in this and that? And we were like, we don't care. I, I whatever. It, it, he, I mean, it's got to take forever to put on. So 
I mean, it I takes guess two hours. Take, so I'm like, whatever. Now we have now we have another show. Now we can do another show. Absolutely, in drag. And, yeah, absolutely. And I, that's the one thing I will say that I, I explained to Vanessa in private. Yeah. One of the things that sometimes is a, a mind fuck for me. And I'm sorry, I cuss, I curse like a sailor. It's fine. Um, I think it's from all the sexual trysts with them. But uh, the the fact is that like I get nervous when people will invite me to, you know, and this goes not just in wrestling. It's like, or a podcast or whatever. It's just like literal parties. Like I've been invited to parties before and I showed up, you know, like this yeah. and people were like, Oh, I thought you were going to come in drag. And I was like, I thought you just wanted me to be here. Right. I didn't, I didn't realize that you expected me to come and entertain. Um, but it's something that I do think that sometimes I, I think that that's the only value to me. And then Vanessa was so kind to remind me that I'm the personality behind that. Yeah. And she exists because of me. And she, in so many ways, is me. There's, a, there's huge distinctions between she and I. Yeah. But, but most of her best characteristics are m- my personality at about a 12 yeah. of, on a scale of 1 to 10. I think you're great. So. I think you're awesome. I get talked to Thanks. Yeah. It. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, we're nearing the end of the show. Um, what I'd like to do is I'll give you the mic now, this pretend microphone I'm going to hand to you. Uh, you can put over anything you want, plug anything you want, talk. I don't even care. The floor is yours. Go ahead. Okay. Sure. So I, I really, first of all, I want to say that I really appreciate the opportunity. Any chance I have to talk about pro wrestling, it's my passion. It's my love in pro wrestling is now and hopefully always will be a passion project for me. Meaning that even if I were to make good money at it, I would still love it because it's the passions what drives me. And so if there are people who are watching this, who would like to connect with me, I would love for you to join me on my Twitch channel. What help me build that out. Give me some ideas. It's twitch.tv slash Poyo Del Mar. Follow me on Instagram. I do a lot of stuff on Instagram live and things of that nature. That one's uh, Instagram.com at Poyo Del Mar fans. And and obviously we talk a lot on Twitter. So I'm on Twitter too, is the Glamazon PDM. I had that name um, before Beth Phoenix, before RuPaul even. But um, I, I want to say that the thing I want to really put over is the idea that if people are watching this and are confused by the concept of LGBTQ plus professional wrestlers or are confused about why there's suddenly this huge influx of LGBTQ plus people in the world of professional wrestling, I would challenge those people to go watch a show like Effie's Big Gay Brunch, where if you pull away the layers of like the gayness or the LGBTQ aspect of it, what it comes down to is at its heart is amazing professional wrestling. That show was incredible from a technical perspective, from a storytelling perspective. These are the finest and professional wrestlers on the indie circuit right now who happen to be LGBTQ. And they're all proud to say that but that is not their entire identity. We do what we do because we love pro wrestling. We love to entertain. We love to put on a show. And anybody who comes to a show like Effie's Big Gay Brunch and is turned off by the gay thing needs to get over it yeah. because if you are a fan of professional wrestling, there's very little to bitch about. The stories are tight. The, the, the performances in the ring are crisp. They're good. These are people who could be working for any major company and any major company would be smart to sign them because they not only bring that passion that we all know from working on the indie circuit, but they bring that um, desire to really take their craft to the next level. And I'm super excited uh, 
to be part of this wildly diverse family of people that span across not only our country, but I've, you know, going back to the out in the ring thing, we did this fundraising event for that documentary and I met LGBTQ people and entertainers from all around the world. And it was, it was incredible. So we're this huge family that I'm super grateful to be part of. And I applaud you and appreciate what you've done. Just bringing me on, letting me um, hype up, not myself, just as much as what it is we as a group are doing, because I, I just mind blown constantly that I get to be part of it. Awesome. Well said, well done. You're now a friend of the show. You can come back anytime, plug anything you want. Have you on on drag? Vanessa, you got anything? It's great, right? Yes, Vanessa. Vanessa fell asleep? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was typing. I was emailing people back, and I didn't want the typing while you were talking. Uh, uh, <sighs> good stuff, though, right, Vanessa? three things at once. Well, you know, you never know when I'm going to turn to call on you. I know. I, I know. I, I should be prepared, but I'm not half the time. Um, Yeah, so... Great stuff. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. And uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. thanks to all the people who joined us and watched too. I appreciate all of you as well. Yep, we're gonna push it out on YouTube as well and all those podcast forums and stuff. So have a great Love night. It. Thank you so much. Yep, you later. have a good one too. Yep, later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Did I switch over? Yeah.